one, year number four. It's a Yank on the Footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 286 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels, coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. I am thrilled that you're listening. In this episode, I'm going to be chatting with Dan Bevan and Jack Vandeden about their new screenplay that they have written. It's a footy-related screenplay, and I'm really looking forward to sharing this with you. Some great stories. I'm just going to let you know right now, Dan tells a story in this interview that, quite frankly, left me with goosebumps. It was it was something that I needed to hear at that time, and I'm so glad that he shared it with me and has allowed me to share this also then with you. Now, before we dive in, folks, our club of the episode are the Deer Park Lions of the Essendon District Football League. Now, the Lions were established way back in 1925, and this weekend at Windy Hill, the Lions will be facing off against West Coburg for the premiership in the Rookie Me Division I. Now, West Coburg has run through their entire uh, fixture with a record of 18 wins and no losses, while the Lions finished in second place on the ladder with a record of 14-4. and four. They, they dropped two extraordinarily close games to West Coburg this year. I think by a total of nine points they lost two games uh, during the home and away season. I want to wish uh, Deer Park the absolute best as they make their run this Saturday for a premiership. And on the 23rd, coming up the following uh, Saturday, the club's holding their annual presentation night at the Deer Park Club. Hopefully you've gotten your tickets for that already. I believe the deadline was the 8th, but I uh, hope everybody has a fabulous time with that. And uh, here's to hoping that they have a whole lot more to be celebrating after this Saturday. And I do want to give a big shout-out to uh, Lausche, Peter Lausch, for uh, making my job very easy this week in terms of selecting uh, this week's Club of the Episode. He had uh, placed a post up on uh, social media about them, and uh, I love being able to promote clubs that are playing grand finals this time of year. And Peter, thanks so very much, man, for sharing uh, that information because, like I said, it made my job really, really easy. Now, before we jump into the podcast and the interview, uh, I did want to let everybody know that I've picked up a handful of uh, stickers for the podcast, and I'd love to get one in your hands. Of course, you can go to my Redbubble uh, store page, which you can find on my website, yankonthefooty.com, and pick up all the stickers and t-shirts, uh, hoodies, and that sort of thing that you would want. Um, but if you're one of the first, I believe I picked up eight of them, if you're one of the first eight people to leave me a great five-star review over on my website, yankonthefooty.com, and then drop me a message on the website or by email, uh, yankonthefooty at gmail.com with your mailing address. I will get one of those out to you very soon. You know, if you enjoy the show, I do hope you'll consider leaving a review, even if you happen to be number nine there, because uh, it's a great way to promote the show. Again, I can't go knocking on doors. I can't you know show up on a weekly basis at a local footy club promoting it uh, Word of mouth is a huge help, and uh, those of you who have enjoyed the show, I truly, truly thank you for that. And I have to tell you, I've had a significant spike, uh, and I'm pleasantly surprised, in viewership or listenership, if you will, over on my YouTube uh, channel. And I had about 100 episodes up there, but I had been rather neglectful in uh, getting that updated, but somehow... I managed to trigger the algorithm on uh, YouTube here recently and have almost tripled the number of subscribers that I have on there. 
And over the last couple of days, um, while this weekend was going on, of course, I watched the Cleveland Browns win their game this weekend, and it's always a great weekend when the Browns win and the Steelers lose. Uh, but uh, I also uploaded another 18 or 19 interviews that I've done in the past, and I have another of other ones that I'm working on getting uploaded as well. And they're, they're, they run the gamut um, to former players, uh, to people who have been involved with clubs and have had families, family members involved with uh, their club of choice going back to 1902 and before, um, to one episode which is my most memorable game. It's the game that turned me into a supporter for the club that I support now. So hopefully you'll check out those over on YouTube. And again, you know, it's it's the audio um, of the podcast that you're listening to now. But uh, if you're over on YouTube, I thank you. I thank you for the wonderful comments. Many of you have reached out. It's, it's, been, it's been wonderful. And uh, I'm going to do a better job of getting the episodes up there as they come out. And I'm going to backfill a lot of the interviews. I don't know if I'm going to be putting up the week-to-week episodes where we discuss the games that were going on in round 17 from 2022 or round 4 from 2023. Those kind of have a shelf life. Okay, sure, you can go back and, and, and listen to the episodes and find out how bad I did at tipping games. Um, I tipped North Melbourne way too many times in 2023, and look what that got me. But, uh, you know, I, I want to thank all of you who have checked out my uh, YouTube page, and it's, it's, been, it's been awesome. And, I, and again, I'm still under 100 subscribers overall, so if you want to subscribe over there, that would be awesome as well. But I never thought I would get as far along as I have. So those of you who are over there who are checking it out, I thank you. I truly appreciate it. Share it with your friends, okay? And also check out the podcast over on my uh, website as well if you've not been over to the website because all the episodes are listed there. So if there's something you haven't heard yet, I mean, I've got interviews with, with legendary players, uh, Kate Roffey, the uh, team president from the D's, um, just an absolutely wonderful, wonderful human being there. So let's go ahead and jump into my uh, chat with Dan and Jack, and uh, we'll come back and close it out after that. And I think you're really going to enjoy this one especially if you're a movie buff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled to be joined by my guests. Uh, thought I was going to have one, but we actually have two joining us tonight, which is awesome. Uh, my first guest is uh, Jack Vandeven. He is a uh, procurement officer with an energy company. He has another uh, uh, side gig that we're going to talk about in a moment, as does my other guest, uh, Dan Bevan. He's a school teacher, also a podcaster. And these two gentlemen have a new screenplay that they have been working on. And Dan reached out to me uh, last week um, thinking that this, be, that this would be a good conduit to talk about the screenplay. And I and I think it's a wonderful story. I read through what he shared with me today, and I'm really interested uh, to, to learn more about it and learn how this came about. So, Jack, Dan, I won't make the same uh, uh, John uh, Mellencamp reference that I made before, even though I made it again in a different way. Sounds like one of his songs. This is a little podcast about Jack and Dan. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that song from him before or not. Maybe too old of a song for you, but you'll have to look it up now. Uh, welcome aboard, guys. You today, Craig? I am here. I am here. We are still recording. Um, <laughs> so. Okay. All right, guys. Um, you know, Dan, you reached out to me, uh, earlier this week or late last week, uh, with an interesting story, you reached out to me kind of out of the blue. So I, you know, I, I did not know that you were working on this, but when you shared your, what you were working on, I thought, wow, this is a fascinating story. And I love telling fascinating stories or sharing fascinating stories here. So 
the two of you are working on, and I don't know if it's completed yet, but it you know sounds like it's well on its way. You're working on a screenplay, so why don't you uh, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about this, and then we'll talk about how it came about and what the inspiration was for this. Yeah, sure. So I'll give you my little logline and synopsis if you like. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. So uh, our logline is an American college basketball player overlooked in the NBA draft, travels down under to try his hand at the game of Australian rules football. And our little synopsis is Major Robinson made the choice to play basketball over American football, much to the dismay of his NFL Hall of Fame father. After missing out on the NBA draft, he's contacted by a scout at the AFL Combine Camp who offers him a chance to try his hand at the game of Aussie rules footy. Travelling to Melbourne, Australia, he's put on display for the 18 teams in the AFL. Major's basketball skills come in handy. He's evasive, has a huge vertical leap, and has a great catch of the egg-shaped ball. However, due to his lack of kicking skills, he's not selected by any of the clubs. One of the scouts sees potential in him and contacts an old acquaintance at a country league football team to give him a chance to learn the game at a lower level. Major accepts this invitation and heads to a small country town in the middle of the Aussie bush called Nagambi. There you go. Which I did look up, and that is actually a real a real town, because I did not know if you were working with fictitious towns or not, but that one actually does exist. It's uh, south of, I think it's pronounced Echuca. Yep. Yeah. Yep, well okay. done. There, that, that's my geography degree paying off for me right there. Um <laughs> So yeah, it's it sounds like a, a fascinating story. You sent me a uh, a lot, you know, a longer kind of uh, breakdown of what's going to be going on in the story, and I and I don't want to delve too much into that because I don't know how much you want that out to be out in public, because you know, you want to get this. You know, I think the goal is to get this thing actually created. Correct. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. we can talk about aspects of it, I guess, but you always, you don't want to give away the ending of a story, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, well, unless it's, you know, something that's been out for 20 or 30 years and you figure, yeah, not much of a spoiler. <laughs> you know, you know, as we well, as we looked at that list of movies, you know, you'll notice there are very few of those like Marvel and uh, DC movies in that list. I'm not, it's not my I, genre of films. And I actually joked with my kids a few years ago when the, uh, Avengers Endgame movie came out and I actually wrote a I'd never seen any of those films but I wrote a quote-unquote review of the film the day before it was released and I shared it with the kids and they all went and watched it and they were like damn you were pretty close to being right um <laughs> and I had no I had no clue who any of the characters were or anything like that but so I guess I have first of all how did the two of you meet uh, through my American partner, actually, um, we were, uh, every year we'd go camping up at the river near, uh, the Goulburn river, which actually runs into the Nagambi Lake of all places. And, uh, this guy turned up in a footy jumper and I was in my footy jumper. We we're the only two blokes in footy jumpers and he had a footy and he's like, want to have a kick? And we ended up having a bit of a play up there and crashing around in the bush and yeah, it just became good mates. What was okay. your perspective on that Jack? Uh, yeah, the exact same. Um, it was awesome because a lot of those boys we go camping with are footy fans, but they don't play. And um, and I'd knew, I'd known Chelsea, um, who Dan was, um, who Chelsea brought Dan along to the bush. And um, yeah, it was it was good to. I brought a footy, but usually I'm just kicking it to myself, and so I had someone to kick it with. And um, yeah, obviously very very big uh, fan of the the game, very knowledgeable bloke. Um, and we had a few big nights there. I think big nights break the ice, and um, and yeah, been good good friends since. Okay, 
even though as you know we have the cameras turned off right now hoping that we don't get as many uh glitches in this recording tonight but even though one of you is wearing a cat's guernsey and the other one's wearing a hawthorne uh ski cap the two of you <laughs> were able to have a kick to kick without like you know it's you know, yeah it's one of the best amazing. things about our game craig is that we can we've got these rivalries that are, are pretty big um so hawthorne generally do hate the cats and vice mm -hmm. versa but we can go to a game and sit side by side and and um you know there's no it's nothing like, I guess, English football where they get segregated and separated and fights break out and all the rest of it. We can sort of leave that on the pitch and shake hands after and have, have a beer after the game as well. There you go. There you go. That's uh, That sounds completely unlike many of the uh, seating areas in the NFL, uh, <laughs> where, where unfortunately far too many videos show up on, uh, on social media uh, regaling the drunken exploits of, of far too many people here in the U S but so you, you, you met on a camping trip um, and you, you, you kind of kept in touch, but where, where did the idea then where, you know, you know, Dan, you're, you're a school teacher and you're, you're working, you know, in a, in a uh, capacity as a purchasing clerk with a, a major company. Where did the whole idea of doing a screenplay come about? So how did the two of you decide or catch the bug to want to do something like that well i guess it, it's the initial idea started with me it was i was really disappointed i went to the cinemas and i watched an australian film not to rag on australian cinema because i love australian cinema but this particular film i won't mention its title i watched it it was about australian rules football and it was pretty much the worst film that i'd ever seen made about australian footy Which we don't I'm, have many I'm I'm going to guess people can probably narrow it down by you not naming the name, because as you said, there's probably not a lot of them that have been created about the game. There's five. Well, there you go. So they got a, they got a 20% chance of being right. Uh <laughs> they do. They do. Um, the thing that upset me about it the most is that they, they chosen actors to be in the film that had absolutely no idea how to play football. And it was so obvious to watch and to watch them fumble the ball and dodge around players where, you know, if it was a real game of footy, they just would have got taken out. Uh -huh. um, if I was telling Jack just before, actually, that one of the famous scenes from the movie is when the big full forward takes a mark and he goes back to kick it and it's a front on angle of it. And he drops the ball like it's a potato kick. It goes crazy off his foot and then it cuts to behind him and the ball goes perfectly straight. <laughs> and that just really, that just really annoyed me as a, as a person who'd played, and Jack as well, we both played over 300 games between us of country league footy. Wow. It was just really upsetting to watch something and go, oh, this, is, this could have been so much better. Like I, I really was uh, disappointed with it. So that initial spark, I just went, you know what? I'm going to write a, uh, one day I'll write a, a script about Australian rules football. And that's sort of how the, the idea well, was born. Well, this sounds a little bit like, you know, any, you know, pick one of them and I've not watched any of them, but I've seen people kind of make fun of them on YouTube. This sounds like any one of the films that Steven Seagal has made over the last 15 to 20 years where, where he just kind of sits in one spot and all of the acting takes place around him, but he never moves. <laughs> it's, it kind of sounds a little bit like that. It yeah. is. What do you think of Steven Seagal, Jack? <laughs> I like Steven Seagal. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> well, you know, let's, you know, 
let's be honest, you know, hard. It's it's been a you know few years since you know hard to kill and things like that have come out. You know, I I think if Steven Seagal uh, tried to lift his leg, you know, up at an angle or in front of him as high as he used to, we're going to be calling an orthopedic surgeon uh, to you know do <laughs> some sort of spang. to do some sort of a <laughs> yeah. a, a, a a bone replacement of some sort for him. But uh, yeah, so you know. You, you you said you both played over 300 games of country footy. Now, have you compared notes? Did you were you guys in a, a general area where you might have crossed paths with one another and played against one another? Uh, Jack was more metro than I uh, than I was. He played okay. sort of in the metro league in Melbourne, whereas I was in full country league footy. Nagambi is actually the first, well, the second footy club that I played for. Hence okay. why I set the story there. Okay, so um, Jack, probably... Jack, who who'd you play with, if I may ask? Yeah, I'm still playing footy. I'm playing over 35s at the moment with uh, the Oakley Crushers. So okay. uh, they're in Vapa. Um, our ones just got through to the grand final. Um, and so we'll be going up a division to Premier C. Um, so the Vapas to Victorian Amateur Football Association. Um, very proud, very proud district club. Um, and yeah, still running around there. Um, I don't think I'm going to give it away until my body gives way. And it's still... It's still able to chug along despite all my many injuries across the years. So, okay. yeah, I've played this year. Well, we'll be playing next year. Now, you said Oakley as in O-A-K-L-E-I-G-H? That's right, yeah. Okay, because I'm looking you – know, I have a list uh, that I printed out a couple of years ago from Wikipedia that had – at least at that point in time, it had all of the local footy clubs um, all across Australia because every episode I do a shout-out to a local club at the start of the episode. And I, and you said you were in the the VAFA, VAFA Oakley Crushes with the K. Okay, okay, because I because is that the same is that the same association as Ivanhoe Assumption? Uh yes, we oh. we do play Ivanhoe. Um, okay, they, we we play a lot of schoolboy sides. Um, okay, but yeah, there's there's seven divisions, uh, and it works kind of like soccer in that yeah. the the top two go up and the bottom two go down. Um, and so, yeah, we're going up from Divi one to Premier C uh, okay. next year. Cause, yeah. Cause Ivanhoe, Ivanhoe is, is, uh, one of the clubs that I have featured as, as one of the clubs of the episode on the podcast. There you cause, go. I, Cause I highlight them as I go along and I try to rotate between States and that type of thing. So, um, and rotate, you know, through different, uh, leagues as well. So, I mean, I, I've done that now for about 150 episodes and, and it's fun to, you know, be able to reach out to those clubs and say, Hey, I you know, gave your club a shout out. And, and I've actually, you know, had a, a couple of instances where there was one club in the Northern territories who I ended up with a really good relationship with ended up getting interviewed on uh, the ABC radio up in Darwin uh, as a result of this. And, you know, they sent me a club polo shirt and that sort of thing, which I wear to school all the time. And it's actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in the, uh, the Tracy Village Razorbacks uh, uh, polo shirt in our school yearbook for last year. So, um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, and I've had a couple clubs that have done that have done that and have sent sent those on because they were like, wow, you, you know, you're there and you gave us a shout out. And it's, uh, you know, I had a club uh, in WA that just, you know, the first 13 years of their existence, they won a total of two games. They came around in 2008. They just won a premiership in their uh, in their league this past weekend. And they'd won two games in the first 13 years that they existed. Wow, what an awesome comeback story. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you know, you're, you're playing, you know, you're paying Metro, you're, you know, Dan, you're playing, you know, about 
uh, what did I say? It was like a hundred and I'd say like 150 kilometers, I think, or something like that, north of uh, of Melbourne. Central Victoria. I, yeah, um, yeah, 122 kilometers north of Melbourne. Yeah, away from Melbourne, closer to Shepparton by far. But uh, so you you met on vacation. Did you end up going on vacation? again and coordinate with one another to go on vacation together again or did how did that how did the relationship with the two of you you know grow enough to where you thought okay we both need to want to work on something like this all right i'm gonna have to give you the pj version of some of these you know what hey you know what i uh my preview episode the other day i dropped an f-bomb on it you feel free to use whatever version you want okay are you sure (laughs) I, I have no pro- I I mark up my episodes explicit if they're explicit. So you you okay. use whatever language you want to use. I was in the United States Navy. We had to take classes on how to learn to swear properly. So I am completely comfortable with whatever the <laughs> fuck you want to say. How's that? I went ahead and initiated uh, it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not about the swearing, I don't think, Craig. Uh oh. It'll be about the uh, the types of adventures we're getting ourselves into. But um... okay, let me, let me ask you this question then. I am not. I uh, my my only my only experience with the legal system in Australia is watching the TV series Rake. So, um, oh, so I don't. I don't know if the do they have something called the statute of limitations. So, if there's something that you've done that you can no longer get in trouble for it if you actually admit to it on a podcast. Uh, I don't think that exists, but okay. we can we can we can run with we can run with the the, okay. the PG slash. We might get well, to the MA version. Whatever whatever uh, you want to use, though, that's fine. Yeah. So we've probably been hanging out a few times here and there, past camping and having little Halloween parties and stuff. Because obviously, with an American partner, um, Halloween's a big deal. Um, had lots of chats about films and cinema. And when you connect with someone, you usually end up liking the same thing. And we just started going back and forth with movies that we liked. I actually did something pretty horrible to Jack and I spoiled the last James Bond film for him, which I feel <laughs> bad about, Jack. <laughs> Jack, you, so you, so Jack, you knew ahead of time that uh, Daniel Craig was not coming back and that he died? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm it sorry, it came out a few years ago. The um the the the, be- the benefit of him spoiling it was he promised to buy me a ticket to the movie and we all actually ended up going to see it. So he told me it was an absolute piece of garbage and at the end of it I actually didn't mind it. But um uh-huh. I suppose that's the benefit of low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like that they killed James Bond. I was pretty sad about it. Well, you know, <laughs> they were you know, yeah, and yeah. I have I have all of all of the Bond films and I uh and I did. I that's the only one I paid full price for. The other ones I I bought it at discount shops or op op shops, if you will. Um, you know, paying about three dollars a piece for them. But uh, do you have Honor Majesty? Do you have Honor Majesty's Secrets? I absolutely do. Yes, I absolutely. So George Lazenby, George Lazenby is one of the actors that we've pegged for one of the roles in the film. Really? Yeah, because he. Yeah, cause he, yeah. You know, and. And you know what? I know people give him a hard time. And I guess he, you know, from what I read about him, he had a pretty serious issue with alcohol um, when he was, you know, because he was he was a model. He was not an actor. Correct. Yeah. And uh, and I, I'll be honest, I thought he did a decent job as, you know, he is not he's not Sean. He was not Sean Connery. But I think there could be a case made that maybe he might have been a better Bond than than Roger Moore in a couple of the films. And and. You know, you might be able to make an argument that he was a better better Bond than Timothy Dalton. 
it's funny because one of the things that I said to Jack to try and get to try and uh, sort of smooth over the fact that I'd ruined the last Bond film for him was uh -huh. I tried to give him a DVD <laughs> of On Her Majesty's Secret Service and he goes, "Mate, I don't have a DVD player anymore." Oh man, I, <laughs> I, I have I have one that I I I keep unplugged. That I I have one that I you know, I have a Blu-ray player that I don't have plugged in because. Just in case the EMP attack, you know, happens, I can maybe still find a uh, a um, a generator, and then still be able to watch the DVDs then even afterwards. But uh, yeah, but you know, I'm yeah. I, I'm a bit of a Bond fan. You know, I uh, I love I love classic films as well. You know, it's uh, I'm as I was I was telling Dan, I, I teach a course that you know is called Contemporary History Through Film. And I'll and I'll I'll share with you a list of the films that we watch, you know, in the class. I mean, we start out with, uh, you know, we 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 begin. You know, we basically look at what, how cinema portrayed, how movies portrayed like U.S. history after World War II, and you know, what did they get right, what did they get wrong. Um, you know, we look at a lot of the key moments throughout, you know, the, the latter half of the 20th and into the 21st century, and it's and the kids, you know, the kids will you know write you know, short responses to, you know, some of the questions that I have to just kind of get them to think about what the film is telling us. Cause we're going to be watching here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be watching Dr. Strangelove when we get into the cold war. Whoa. And inevitably, you know, we spend, we spend a day talking about character development, how all of the characters in, in that film, every one of their names relate back to sex. And, you know, have you seen Dr. Strangelove before? Yeah, yeah, it was part of part of university course. Okay. I think we had to the film, yeah. yeah, but I, you know, you, you, the opening scene of the film, you see one plane refueling with another. So I mean, Kubrick is just absolutely, you know, putting it right in in your face. This is what this film is about, you know. Yeah. And it's and you know, and of course, you know the you know these kids and these are kids who are you know anywhere between fourteen and eighteen years old. Inevitably, when we get done watching Doctor Strangelove, the looks on their faces is are consistently like a collective what the hell did i just watch <laughs> but do yeah, you yeah. do you know do you know that there was that the ending that it did not end the way it was supposed to end do you know the story of the actual ending no yeah that film and this is this is crazy he's riding, riding the bomb through the air well yeah well or well he did that that was supposed to happen but the Okay. All of the all of the explosions happening at the end where Dr. Strangelove, you know, says, you know, I've got, you know, I can walk and then all the bombs go off. That is not how the film was supposed to end. Uh, okay. That is not how it was supposed to end. And they're, they've never released the footage of what was happening at the end, but I've seen still images of it. Because Kubrick was trying to portray just how ridiculous the idea of nuclear war was. And... You know, if you go back and you look at that film again, as they're all coming in, there was that whole table filled with all the food. And on that table, there were close to like 300 pies on that table. And the film was supposed to end like one of those pie fight scenes from a Three Stooges short. Yep. And there was there was a scene where the, <coughs> the, the president, uh, Peter Sellers' character, one of the characters he played, got hit in the face with a pie. And George C. Scott utters and shouts out, oh my, our young president struck down in the prime of his life. Now, that gets even crazier when you realize that they were screening Dr. Strangelove. You know, they were doing a test screening of Dr. Strangelove on November the 22nd, 1963. 
don't know if you know the significance of that day. That was the day John F. Kennedy was assassinated. So well, Ken- I feel like be something about that. <laughs> Kennedy's assassinated on the day that they're screening a movie where the character, the 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 president character, gets hit in the pie, and the general in the war room says, "Oh no, our young president struck down in the prime of his life," and they knew right away, "Oh shit, we that cannot be the ending to this film anymore." Of course. Yeah. So they had they had to go back and reshoot that. So and also you go back and if, yeah, I don't know if you happen to have that on DVD or not, but you go back and you watch Slim Pickens, the pilot of the plane, when he's reading through the list of stuff that's in their survival pack, and he goes through this whole list of things that are in there: the the gum and the the prophylactics and the gold and the stocking or the nylons and this and that and the Russian phrase book and the little Bible and such, and he says, "Shoot." A fella could have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with that, except when they re- made the film. And if you watch it, they had to dub over the word Vegas because he said, shoot, a fella could have a pretty good weekend in Dallas with all that. The oh, same God. city where Kennedy was assassinated. It is freaky that that was that that is the case. So they had to go back and re-edit the film. And that's how it ended up ending the way that it did, rather than with the preposterous pie fight at the end. So, so there you go footy fans we're not talking a bit about footy but we're going to get back to it there but there's a little history lesson for you about you know one of the greatest films ever made in you know dr strange lover mm-hmm. how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb um you know absolutely love george c scott in that film and if you're a heavy metal fan you'll notice he's got his book uh you know uh thermonuclear thermonuclear uh like deaths in you know, like like deaths in uh, something like in uh, Megadeths. So there's a reference to the band Megadeth way before the band was ex- in around. Because oh. yeah, he, his yeah. binder says something about Megadeths on it. Yeah. So you got you got some some Easter eggs to go back and look for there if you go back and watch that <laughs> yeah. one again. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So back to your yeah back, screenplay back guys, to which, which we've not yeah, uh, yeah. we've we've now taken a slight detour there, but at least at least Zoom is working for us. Knock on wood. <laughs> Um, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, you, you guys decided you, you're both movie fans. So you saw a bad footy movie and, and off air, you're gonna have to tell me which one it is because I want to watch it so I can see how bad it is. Uh, I'll have to yeah. find that one online so I can see how bad it is. I think it's one that might be on Amazon prime here, but I'm not positive on that. So, you know, Jack, did you have, I mean, were, you know, you were a big enough movie buff when you weren't getting the Bond film spoiled that you um, decided that, you know, who came up with the idea, first of all, to say, let's go ahead and write a screenplay? Was that you, Dan? Yes. Dan had already written the screenplay, or a brief synopsis, um, and had, 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 uh, started drafting it. And we were on a trip over to Tasmania um, for a festival there. Uh, what's the festival called, Dan? Well, this is the R. We'll give, give him the MA version. So it's called Dark Mofo. That's right, Dark Mofo. And we had a very big night together. And I had to um, take, uh, excuse myself from a, from a nightclub. And he took me on a walk <laughs> to get some fresh air. And um, and we walked on the long the pier, Tassie, freezing cold. Uh, and found a park bench, and he ran me through his thought process on this idea for a film he had um, from start to finish, and that was where he got the ultimate buy-in from myself. Okay, because yeah, because it sounded like you, you, you. Okay, I won't go there because that could be a uh, <laughs> that could certainly be in the MA version as well. There, that you know. 
So you you how what kind of a time frame then from you know having crafted like the synopsis in terms of what you were going to do to actually having a a fleshed out screenplay that you uh that you are ready to to then you know say okay this looks pretty solid we've got to maybe fill in a few things here and there re, you know po- refine and polish a little bit as well yeah so the uh oh, this is going to give it away the australian film that came out that i watched was in 2013 and i basically started work on it then and then put it in a drawer and forgot about it and then it just it's one of those ideas that just kept percolating it kept coming back and uh-huh. after i finished playing footy i was like oh i just i love american sport films you know like i love rudy any given sunday longest yard blue chips air up there mm-hmm. mighty ducks Wild city blues all those old uh sort of films but we don't really have any great australian sports films and it just it just drove me to want to do it so after jack and i had had that conversation on the uh, famed park bench after needing a bit of a breather um we uh we just started um we just started chatting over uh sort of uh, what was it messenger yeah we started chatting over messenger and said look let's just get together every thursday night for the next month and we'll just read through this script together and we'll just banter back and forth and not unlike we're doing now we went on many uh dr strange love how i learned to love the bomb tangents but they ended up being the best parts about the story it was really good yeah outstanding outstanding so now are you in terms of the finished product, would you say it is finished in terms of being ready to, you know, what's the next step? I guess I should ask that then. What's the next step as far yes. as trying to get this in front of people? Yeah, so screenplays uh, nearly locked off. What do you reckon, Jack? 99%? We just probably got to do one more run through, you reckon, yeah? Yeah, just the one more run through. I, I reckon it's brilliant. Um, it, it reads well. We, we, when we do the read through, we take different characters at different times, but we, uh, you know, as with George Lazenby, we've kind of identified um, some really old Australian classic actors to, to fill some of these roles. And a lot of real, you know, Australian history um, drifts its way through the script. And it's kind of a love letter to Australia, not yeah. only Australian rules football, but Australia in general. Um, so it was a real pleasure to, to, I guess, contribute to Dan's um, a brilliant idea. And we joke about the fact that he probably carried the the baby to term and, and then I'm just the foster parent that's come along and okay. trying okay. to that's raise a good way of putting it, it after. That's <laughs> yeah, a good way. So certainly Dan's baby, but, um, you know, here in, um, it's, yeah, it's about getting in front of people, stuff like this, getting... Um, getting getting some ears and and getting in in front of ultimately the the man we want to get this script in front of uh is eric banner okay oh yeah and he's a saint supporter so you know where he's going to be in about six hours so i would just you know go camp outside the mcg with it (laughs) but you know and which means that you have a few hours left you have a few hours to do one final rewrite to add that one additional scene in that has that American podcaster who who interviews Major, and I know one that would work for cheap. And I I keep telling people I you know as as Dan might have seen, and I turned the camera off, but you know Jack, I have on the shelf above my desk here. I don't know if you noticed it there, but I I, I have all that veg those empty Vegemite jars. But uh, um, I would work for Vegemite, you know. I would I would work for that. Okay. Um, so I would, Good I would work very Craig. cheap. Yeah. So if, if you, if you need to have one additional scene where, you know, where, you know, major is, you know, wanting to talk, you know, decides to talk to somebody or comes on a podcast to talk about, uh, you know, the trials and tribulations of local footy and how he's going to overcome them. I, you know, I could recommend somebody. 
Just, just, say, just saying, just saying, okay? Yeah. Well, you bring us to probably one of our biggest dilemmas with this screenplay is we've filled it with Australian talent such as Eric Banner and John Jarrett and Jack Thompson. We've got all these roles written for these people. Obviously, they have to accept the role and we've got backups for them if we need. Have you got but Guy the one Pierce? role that is really... Uh, no, I haven't. We actually, he's actually one we didn't put in there. He's a St Kilda supporter too. No, he is not. He's a cat supporter. Oh, he's a cat. You're right. He's you a cat me. supporter it's because, because I have and Paul yeah. I have I have reached out to his his because I'm a huge fan of that show Jack Irish, as well, and uh, you know which was all about Fitzroy. I don't know if you ever watched Jack Irish, but there was a lot of old time Fitzroy fans in that in that show. But uh, yeah, I reached yeah. out to, I reached out to his management group back when the uh, cats were you know going to the grand final against Richmond and tried to get him on the podcast and he was evidently filming something somewhere because they said he's not available right now so i tried but i'll try again yeah, you know. <laughs> well if we do, if we uh if we do end up getting this cast together i'm sure we'll all be happy to have a chat to you again craig cuz um it's just it's just the idea of the film too was was one to make a good film about Australian rules football but also mm-hmm. to celebrate the sport and spread it around the world and i think that's kind of what got me onto your podcast is I was like, do Americans like AFL? And um, I was traveling through South America last year uh, with my partner, Chelsea, and we went to like a, a resort and we're staying there with this guy who was about six foot five. He was huge, redhead fella. I can't remember what state he was from, but he told me that he played in this USA Australian rules football. The USAFL? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Played in the ruck, ended up doing his anterior cruciate ligament, playing the game, but absolutely loved it. And he's um, he's actually reached out to come over and visit and um, go and watch a game live as well. So there are people in America that do play this sport. And I was like, wow, we just need to – I think it was on your website. You said if we could tap into 1% of yep. the American market. Yes. I, I can't remember the quote. Can you – what was it? Yeah, well, I, I have said that if – you know, because we'll, we'll get – you know, if we could get 1% of the American population interested in footy and watching the games, that's 10% of Australia's population. And if you, if you mm. get, if you get even 10% or 20% of those people buying international memberships for the clubs, think about the windfall that that would be for the league. I mean, that would be a vast sum of money that would be coming in for the league that they could use for any number of different things. And, uh, you know, yeah. and, and, the, and the league, you know, they, we get the games on here. Now I have what's called the watch AFL app. So I, I get, I can sit down at my computer. I can, you know, um, take stuff from my computer and, and send it off to my TV screen. So I can watch any of the games live or on demand going all the way back to 2017, uh, AFL, oh. AFLW, VFL, um, some sandful and waffle games, not too many of those, but you usually find those online, but then all, all the Fox footy broadcasting. So AFL 360, um yep. you know on, on the couch all those kinds of things i get i get all of those as well you know bounce those types of things i get to watch cool. all of those shows as well but uh and that runs me you know through my international membership i get that and that that ends up running me about 120 dollars us so it's like 150 dollars australian for that for the year and that's part of my international membership yeah, that's pretty good yeah so yeah, but good. you know but yeah we get the games on we get a few games on like what you would call cable television, but they don't, they, and if, you know, people who are listening to the podcast all the time are, are, they hear this all the time and they, they know I'm preaching to the choir here. The network that carries them does nothing as far as advertising the games, because the games here, you know, 
you know, the, the saints uh, game tonight, saints and giants game starts at one twenty, And then the, uh, the second game tomorrow, Brisbane and Port Adelaide is a five, five fifty AM first bounce. I mean, I, yeah, I was up two nights ago uh, for the, the D's and uh, Collingwood game that started at five twenty. I mean, I got up at a quarter till five that morning to go to work. So I, I watched, I watched the first half of that one at home. Then I went to work at during halftime and watched the second half of the game in my classroom. Um, it's a tough time slot to promote. Well, yeah, but it's even if even if you would say, "Hey, this is this is on," set your DVR. You know, record you know, record it on yeah. your, you know record it and watch it at a later date because that's that's why I've worked you know so hard at trying to get you know the episodes like with Darren Bennett. Um, and these these people who are American fans and you know Australian NFL fans to just try to say you know what this is an awesome game and and if if an American sees it they are intrigued and then when they see yeah. some of the great action they're like holy cow that is yeah. that's awesome and you get you can get you can find these people yeah. getting invested in it and and if especially if they live on the West Coast you know that that one twenty a.m. or one twenty a.m. for me St Kilda game that's coming on at ten twenty at night in you know basically west of uh las vegas so you know san francisco la san diego it's 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 a prime time game for them basically yeah it's a prime time game for them so you know it's uh the the league i think could do a great could do themselves a great service if they could just convince the the tv networks here and it's through it's through fox sports here to just put a an, yeah. an add on that says, "Hey, this game's going to be on," because they never advertise the games. They never say this this game's going to be on at such and such a time. You know, you know, tune in for you know Collingwood and Melbourne. You know, they and I think also I always put my conspiracy, always put my conspiracy theory hat on, Craig, and think, is that influenced by some of your sports on shore? Just you know, hey, we'll chuck you this as long as you don't mention this other sport, because at the end of the day, everyone's competing for for people's eyes. Well, that's true, but you know, but in the time slots when these games are on, yeah, true. they're they're doing nothing more than showing, you know, they're showing twenty year old uh Texas Hold'em poker tournaments. Yeah. You know, they're show or they're showing they're showing reruns of fifteen year old UFC fights. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 not like they have first run, it's you know, live right. stuff no that they're doing. Exactly. This yeah. is this, this is a live event that they're being able to show then and that you know if they just would and and i've also argued that if they, you know that like on a on a wednesday night here if they could do like a highlight you know half an hour highlight slash preview episode where they you know they spend you know the first 15 minutes you know showing some of the, the highlights of the games from the previous weekend show those speckies show that you know show that dribble kick that went in from you know 35 yards out you know right on the uh right down in the pocket, you know, in, you know, the Eddie Betts little corner there that somebody happened to kick it through there, just like Eddie used to do. And, and then, you know, spend the last 15 minutes, you know, talking about, you know, previewing, you know, these games are going to be on this week and you're going to be able to see, you know, Patrick Cripps, you're going to be able to, you know, you're going to see, you know, in quotes with an asterisk, two-time Brownlow medalist, you know, Lockie Neal. There's my little shot at Carlton. But uh I actually, I actually have a, I have a sticker on my Redbubble page that, uh, that that is congratulating Lockie Neal for winning his his second consecutive uh, Brownlow medal with a little asterisk that says actual results may vary. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I've had I've had one person buy one. So, um, but uh, you know they just if they just market, the boy, Craig. no I know if they in just market of- the game it, I think they could 
it would be an economic windfall for them. But again, we are not, and and I, and I have to keep reminding myself of this because so many people here talk about, you know, having the the grand final played at a time so that the USAFL teams can hold like their fundraisers and get people to come watch the grand final at a bar and that sort of thing. But and I tell them, I said, as much as that would be great, you know, because the grand final is going to come on, you know, here at uh, it'll be at like one o'clock in the morning if I'm not mistaken. Um, we we're still not the target audience for that type of thing, so. As much as we want to think that we are, we have to take off, you know, we tend to get a little, you know, stuck on ourselves, you know, we're Americans, damn it, do what we, you know, what's best for us. We have to sometimes, you know, take that step back and realize that we're not, we're not who they're targeting this towards. But if they would just advertise some things here and there that could probably, you know, make themselves a little bit more money, which would be, I think, a, a great thing for the league. And I think it would be great here because um, it's, you know, I, I do think it's the greatest team game on the planet. I, I, I like it more than, you know, gridiron football. And I've been watching, you know, gridiron football for well over 50 years. And I'll, I would rather sit down and watch, I'd rather sit down and watch North Melbourne play Fremantle than I'd rather watch, you know, <laughs> any other NFL team. You know, I mean, not the, not the Browns I'm watching the Browns, but if it's, you know, the New York jets and the uh, Houston Texans, I'll take Fremantle and, and North Melbourne over that any day of the week. And twice on Sunday, you know. Okay. Yeah, go, go for it, Jack. Uh, I was just going to say, look, you're, you're preaching to the choir, and it's part of the the reason reasoning behind this script from from Dan's perspective, and and getting my buy-in is the fact that it is the greatest sport on the on the planet, and we are in from from you know the international audience. Yeah, and so what a great opportunity here to to really showcase the sport, you know, get get a lot of um, showcasing around Australia's background, Australia's culture, right, um, right, and and Australia's historical actors and actresses. Um, there's uh, globally, yeah, absolutely, and yeah. there's you. So have you have you thought about uh, who you want to have play major? This is this that was going to be my next question to you. Uh, I know you've had a chat uh, to a lot of Americans who've come over and had a go at playing footy, and that some of them have entered entered into country league footy. So uh -huh. we're kind of throwing it out there. I, 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 we've been talking about it, and it's they need to have some form of athletic skill just to be able to play the role. I would rather have someone who wasn't an actor that I could train up to be an actor than have someone who, you know, couldn't play footy. It, it's really important to sell the sport is to sell yeah. the skill involved. You, you, you've already watched that movie. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. I feel bad because I actually know one, a couple of the people in that film and I, I feel bad ragging on it. But it, it just it, it just really hurt my feelings, to be honest. As a, as a person who played, you know, 300 plus games of country yeah. league footy, it was... Yeah. It was yeah. But I think another thing that I don't think Americans know is that Australian rules football is slowly starting to die. Um, a lot of country league teams are now folding, can't right, field right. reserve teams. And a lot of the, the reason behind that is that kids are choosing to play sports that they can get readily on the TV that they look at as their heroes. So their heroes are no longer our AFL players. They're 
they're NFL players, they're the basketball players, and a lot of them, and this is this is what makes me the most sad is because it's my most hated football game, <laughs> is, um, I shouldn't say hate, that's a strong word, but I really get bored watching soccer. Okay. And a lot of the kids here are starting to choose soccer mm-hmm. over football. Yeah. Um, and it, it just makes me sad because it's it's the oldest codified football sport in the world. It's It's eight years older than soccer, you know. Yeah, it's you know, and when I you know, when kids you know see the game and they're like you know when they see the games because I'll have them you know during the season, you know I'll have I'll have games on even you know because I'll be watching ones that I didn't watch live because you know during the school year especially like you know because our school year ends at the end of May beginning of June so we're a good you know we got a good chunk of the start of the season where I'll have games on and my first class of the day that I have kids that will sometimes show up you know ten or fifteen minutes early to watch a little bit of footy, um, in my classroom. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it has been, it's been interesting and, and it's just, it's, and then when they realize, you know, when they see the shirt that I'm wearing and, and, you know, they'll, you know, have the cat's logo on there, you know, established 1859 and they're looking at it, does that say 1859 or 1959? I said, yeah, it says 1859. That, yeah, this team is (laughs) a hundred and this team is 162, 163 years old now, 164 now, I guess, actually, um, Mm. you know, it's, uh, and it's, you know, it is, it's crazy, you know, and, uh, you know. Any, any suggestions for who could play major from, from the, from the people you've talked to? We're well, thinking he's obviously a college graduate, so yeah, he's just I, finished. And well, I, so what's about 24, you know, 24? Well, I mean, the, the, the three people that I know, you know, because, you know, the one, the one that I, that I shared the message with is is uh is danny marshall who is who plays on essendon's aflw side uh she's on there she's on their aflw she did not play round one but she so i'm sure she played the vflw that weekend there but she's she started out she played three or four years with the bulldogs before she got delisted by them and got picked up last year by essendon and played i think nine or i think she played nine of their 10 games last year for them as a defender but she was a college soccer player here i had her on the podcast um, I've had her father on the podcast as well, you know, telling the story of what it's like to have your, your child playing professional sport on the other side of the planet, you yeah. know, and that, and that was an, that was an interesting story in in and of itself there. I mean that, you know, and I don't know, you know, you know, he's, yeah, he's a really fascinating guy. He's a financial planner, really, you know, really nice gentleman that I had the chance to talk with. And I still trade messages to him on LinkedIn quite a bit as well. Um, the other two, and I, I've not heard back from Tyler and he plays for, he plays, at least he did play the last couple of years with the Vermont Eagles. Um, okay. He, uh, you know, he, I, I don't think he's checked his message on Instagram. I, I, and I, I don't have his email address cause I, when I contacted him for being on the podcast, it was through Instagram. And then the other one is, uh, a young man by the name of Rick Shibani, who actually works in the in the TV and movie industry in Los Angeles. And he plays now for the LA dragons in the USAFL. He still plays for them, but he played for, uh, he was at Caroline Springs for a year. He came over and played, uh, I think on the reserve side with Caroline Springs for a year, uh, 2018 or 2019, right before COVID hit, he was, he was there. And I had him, I had him on the pod. I mean, I talked to Rick all the time. In fact, when I started the podcast, I started, I was on Twitter for like six months talking to people about starting a footy podcast and just, you know, how, how dumb an idea or how not dumb an idea it was for an American to do this. And, and he reached out to me. He was the first person to reach out to me to, to basically tell me, Hey, you know, go for it. So, um, and I, and I still, I, I 
trade messages with him at least once a week, you know, and we'll do it through messenger. We'll just leave little voice messages for one another on messenger, but he's an absolutely wonderful young man. Um, he's, uh, like I said, he's worked a lot of, you know, he's not, I don't think he's done the acting aspect of things, but he's done a lot of crew work on a lot of TV and movies. Uh, I know he directed a, uh, one episode of a, a show that's on Amazon prime. He he directed one. It was, uh, um, it's, it's, it's like, he's probably late twenties, maybe. Beautiful. Yeah. Perfect. Age. Yeah. Late twenties. Yeah. But I can give you, I can give you his, uh, twitter handle you can reach out to him if you want to or even on on facebook if you want to i he's on instagram as well um i i follow him on all three of those but uh and i think i probably have his email as well but he's a great he's a great guy knows the game huge gws supporter uh huge gws well maybe not maybe not then (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's uh there you go but uh you know i i mean there are um there's actually a uh a young man that um and i saw him play um i need to look and see if he's still on the roster um let's see here i need to just check the let's look by numbers here uh he's going to be up in the higher numbers uh, we're gonna have to give you a costing credit now craig well that's i'll take it <laughs> um but uh it's a, it's a young man. He, he played football at Michigan State. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. But uh, let me go. Let me see. Uh, go back to 2022. Uh, um, but he played on a, uh, a USAFL team. I, was, I went and saw them play. He played on a team from Nashville, Tennessee. And, I love that, that. That's what the guy in South America told me. He said that every state has a team. Yeah, there's about there's about fifty teams here in the U.S. Hmm. Um, there's about fifty teams, and I'm trying to where he was. Where is he on here? He should be on here. Um, and I'm not seeing his name. His name is escaping me right now. But he's like six foot six. He was playing in the ruck. But I was I watched this young man play, and he actually he played he played in the NFL the last couple of years. He was on the practice squad for the New England Patriots for a year or two, and then he was with I was pretty sure he was with Jacksonville. But let me I'm just trying to find his name off the top of my head, and I'll look for um um that uh, I'll look for his name. But he I watched him. You know, you know, up near the midfield stripe, you know, taking a free kick and just dropping the ball like you know he's dropping it out of a like out of an airplane or off the edge of a building right at the top of the key, you know, right at the top of the uh, goal square for you know his teammate, you know, to take a, an easy mark and uh, and you know kick an easy goal. Um, he just was phenomenal. He was he was head and shoulders the best player out there. And then not long after I saw him, he got signed uh, to a, uh, he got signed to the um, New England Patriots practice squad. So, and I'll try to find his, I'm trying to find his name here and I'm, it's just absolutely escaping me right now. Um, That's okay. But I'll, I'll look for his what name. About, um, 
what about players in Australia that have that have come across? Do you, do you have any of those that we could hit up? Well, I mean, you got all the you got all the uh, the young athletes who are who are here as punters that are playing um, collegiate football. You know, you've got you know you've got uh, you you got all kinds of punters that are playing here in the U.S. And I'd have to run through that. I'd have to compile that list as well. But I mean, you've got like I said, you've got probably sixty-five or seventy young men who grew up playing footy who were here punting collegiately. And there's another, you know, um, six or eight of them that are playing in the NFL right now. And a couple probably even up in the Canadian league, like Michael Dixon, for example, that's with Seattle. Uh, yep. You know, yep. the only problem with getting an Australian to play an American character is I've never heard a really good accent from an yeah, Australian. It's going to need to be an American coming across here. I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Now keep in mind, I'm not the one that brought that, that idea up. That was somebody else that brought that up. But uh, so, you know, I, how do you, how do you get this? And I guess I don't, you know, is this, is this the first screenplay that you've worked on? So this is my third film. Okay. Uh, okay. Overall, overall. Um, I've done a bit of writing for TV and stuff like that. Being an English and uh, drama teacher has sort of filled the bills in along the way, but this has always been the passion and the passion project. Um, we sort of with with film in Australia, it's really hard to get a film made over here unless you have private financing. So we have all those contacts to go to. It's just about securing our our main cast at the moment and finding someone like we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes to play major because it's such a key role in the film. I mean, not that the film would be anywhere near as successful as Crocodile Dundee was, but it's sort of in that same vein, that fish out of water story where someone from the States comes over and has this new experience and I think learning the game, you, you can we could teach them through this film how to play the game. There's a beautiful video that the AFL produced in, I think it was about eight years ago, called What is AFL? And oh, yeah. any American that asked me about, you know, what's what's this game about? I just send them that link straight away. I say, watch this, because the American commentator, and it's hilarious, and um, it, it just gives away all the great aspects of the game and how to play and sort of gives you a little bit of an understanding, a bit of context. Yeah. It, it it is i i show that in i show that a lot that video clip gets shown an awful lot uh, in my class and they've actually done an updated one where they've incorporated um the aflw in it and i think it is uh i think it's nat that does the uh afl daily with um damian barrett that's that's narrating that one i believe yeah i like the american voiceover one just because it's it'll, it'll suit the audience better i mean when when major obviously at the start of the film, which we're not giving away anything here because he sort of we know he gets over there. But what hooks him is is the AFL talent scout sends him the link to that video and he watches it and goes, "Hang on," because the reason we sort of came up with for him not wanting to play American football like his dad was the freedom to move and go where you want and not have to sort of follow orders. Uh huh. Um, because we get a lot of uh, we've tried NFL players to come over here, but because they're so used to following a set play or plan the, the improvisation that our game requires is a little bit is a little bit beyond them whereas yeah. basketball basketball is sort of suits well you just got to learn how to kick you know yep i just found yeah. that i just found that person's name so i'm going to send that to you in an email here real quickly as we're talking here i'm just saying yes, we you... could throw but but as dan said basketball is the ones we're targeting um for the leap as well so major's character has a massive leap on him um, and to, to have that bigger leap in NFL probably be pretty rare. Um, 
and his character as well starts out not being able to kick. So we think mm-hmm. if we can target a, an American basketball player that can't kick and then take them along the journey in the film that, um, you know, uh, Dan and I could teach him to kick in a couple of weeks. But um, the fact he can't kick almost might be a boon in, in those early early stages filming. Well, get, do, you want to, do you want to tell Craig who our uh, who we're sort of basing the character on and if we could even get a shot at getting him to be in the film, Jack? Oh. Yeah, it's uh, Mac McClung from from the NBA. I um, he's he's won the dunk contest last year, Craig. I'm not sure okay. how familiar you are with the NBA, um, but um, his current team is the Orlando Magic. But he's six mm-hmm. two. He's probably a bit too short. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it'd be great if he if we could get him because his leap is perfect for the role. Yeah, this 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 young man. Uh, his name is Matt Sokol, S-O-K-O-L, and he is 196 centimeters tall. Whoa. Um, yeah, he's like six foot five, six foot six, um, and 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 he is he is. I've watched him play, and he is. I think he's a free agent right now. I don't think he's on anybody's roster, but he he was. Like I said, there there were four teams at this little tournament down in in our state capital that weekend. And he was far, and he was one of the the newest players. But he was still far and away the best player out of the probably eighty players that were there playing that day. Hands down, the best player. And I actually know I know somebody else that I could reach out to, um, who uh, is very much in tune with the game. Uh, this is an Australian gentleman that lives in the state of Georgia, who has um, started not one, but two different USAFL teams in the state of Georgia runs a um, business here in the U S selling footy jumpers and footy gear uh, to the USAFL folks. Uh, it's called, it's called uh, play. I think it's play Aussie.com. Uh, I think it's and play what's, what's his name. Sorry, Craig. His, his name is Wayne Kraska. K R A S K A. K-R-A-S-K-A. Because and, and, he, he would be fantastic to talk to because I'm assuming there'd be a lot of NBA-type players who, who have that skill set. Um, as Dan yeah. said, the freedom of that's required of an AFL footballer really does align with NBA. Mm-hmm. A lot of our right. great players could have chosen to play for, for an A... Uh, for, well, chosen to pursue a career, should I say, in their um, NBA or, or, or just basketball in general and, and then went down the path of playing AFL. Uh, Scott Pendlebury is one, was a, was a fantastic basketball player. Um, I, I, footy. If I may stop you there, I that's the first time I've ever heard that Scott Pendlebury play basketball. Yeah, um, and it's the lateral movement. And as Dan said, the, the freedom required on the court, the, the thinking on the spot that really helps. Um, and, um, and after you just learn to kick, that's, that's, the, that's the trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was the only American game where you have to play offense and defense at the same time. Everything right, else is right. swap the team for another person to come on. That was the thing that annoyed me about American football, watching the two college games I did last year, is the amount of time that you just spend singing songs in the crowd and not doing much while they set up on the field for 10 minutes. That's that's a good point. And that's one of the things that I love about Woody. I mean, I still love yeah, – I still – I'm maybe maybe I'm blinded to that having watched American football as long as I have, but that's one of the things that I find refreshing about footy is it is so free flowing and it goes everywhere, and it and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily stop, you know, 
Now, let me ask you this question. This may be a leading question based upon where I, where I just am asking it from. If an American is watching the game for the first time, what do you think the first question is that they ask about watching the game while I have you here? And I kind of gave you a bit what of a hint. What is going there. on? Well, that's um, <laughs> that's uh, that is part of it. What are the, the rules? It's, it's what are the um, rules? What are the rules? Yeah. No, the, the question that I get asked all the time is what was what is with all of the whistles? That's the first question I get get asked is what is with all of the whistles? Uh, what, what my wife said when she first, or well, so you should say ex-wife now, um, what she said when she first told me about the game, she says, why do they wear such short shorts? <laughs> well, so so you'll watch. Um, let's <laughs> well, be honest. That's what, the, that's, that's what they said. It was like uh, it was like having a bit of a show for the ladies at the same time. No well, sleeves, it, short shorts. Well, I, and I and I, I have tried that with my my wife has no interest in footy. I mean, I have even I even went so far as to a couple of years ago, I found a couple of articles online that were that were done that were kind of like fluff pieces where hey, you know the. You know the club is taking the day off from training at their at their at their home ground, and they headed to the beach. So, at the time, it was Hawthorne heading to the beach to go train, and they're all in their budgie smugglers there. And there's <laughs> there's Jager O'Meara, Jager O'Meara at the beach, and I and I am comfortable enough in my manhood to say Jager O'Meara is one hell of a handsome guy. So I sent these links to my <laughs> wife, and I'm thinking, you know what, this might move the needle and get her interested in watching. Nope. No interest at all. So she's she's never watched a she, she you know I tried to get her to watch and she said you know and I actually did something on the podcast where I you know she said well I'll watch I'll watch one quarter of a game. She said I'll watch Had one quarter but she but I'll never watch again and and I and the more I thought about it I was like I don't want I don't want to do that I said I don't want it to be like this thing that's like punishment for you I said so, I so I mean I'd <laughs> ask people I said well you know what what quarter would you recommend watching and I had dozens of people give me feedback and what quarter of footy that they that we should watch and the more I thought about it I said you know I don't want her to, to feel like this is something that she's being forced to do if she's interested in watching it at some point in time down the road so be it if not well just more for me then so <laughs> it is what it is so um, you know, I, I, you know, since Dan, you are in Tasmania and you're, you're not a Tasmania native. So how did you end up in Tasmania? If I may ask you that. Well, my dad is a Tasmanian native. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was born here and I think he left when he was about three years old. So it's always been a place we've come back to and visited. And, um, because my current partner, Chelsea is from Montana, she just loved the wilderness and loved walking around. We both do. We both love going on hikes and adventures and, Tasmania offers that at your doorstep. We're in Hobart, and if I drive for ten minutes, I'm in. I'm I'm standing next to the tallest flowering tree in the world at over, I think it's 102 meters tall. So wow, wow, it's um it's a beautiful place. The, the only one that's bigger is the California redwood over in uh, um, California. Yeah, yeah, of course, in California. <laughs> There's that geography degree playing playing part of things again. So look, I guess I have to ask you. How is it that you have a spouse from Montana? Uh, good question. Good question. Uh, possibly, I would say, inspired by my uncle, who is married to an American. He lives in San Francisco. And right. just being a little bit... Uh, if I asked Chelsea now, she'd say, you've got a thing for Americans, and maybe that's true. Um, 
but uh, you know, when you meet someone that that matches the same values as you and enjoys the same things, you can't help but get along. And I was just lucky enough that she had a fun American Montana accent that uh, I really enjoyed as well. So, did you meet her there in Australia, or did you meet her in Montana? Yeah, she'd been she'd been a nurse for fifteen years in Australia, and I met her about four years ago now, three three or four years ago now. Yeah. Okay. And she was living in in Tasmania at that point in time. Then, so you would no. She there was living. And... She was living in Melbourne. We moved to Tasmania together at the start of this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's very cool. So she's is she then working still as a nurse now down there? Then I would assume. Yeah, she's working in the Royal Hobart Hospital down the road. So, okay. Yeah, and okay. it's beautiful. Hobart's such a small city. It's only about two hundred thousand people, and you can get anywhere in about five minutes in a car. Okay. Uh, the, the only thing you have to put up with is the uh, short days of sunlight and uh, the fact that you could have, uh, like the other day I was at the top of Mount Wellington, which is the biggest mountain just behind me. Uh, it was snowing at the top and I rode my bike down. As I got to the middle, it started to rain. By the time I got to the middle, the sun was out and I was eating fish and chips on the waterfront. So wow, it, it's a crazy place to live. It's very, uh, and Tasmanian devils do not look like they do on Looney Tunes. I know, I know. <laughs> And and speaking of that, speaking yeah. speaking of that, because that sounds like that's gonna you know that that's gonna be the push for the the name of the new club uh, yep. when the new when the club comes in. And what have you have you bought your countdown calendar yet for twenty twenty seven? Well, I am gonna. I know you're gonna hate this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna drop my uh, Geelong supportership or support uh, and uh, join the uh, Tasmanian Devils. I I, Just, I I see nothing wrong with that. I mean, I I I I completely understand that. That makes yeah, that makes well, sense to me. It's a bit controversial here at the moment because they want to build a new stadium instead of updating an old one, and they want right. to build it in a spot where there's not much infrastructure for cars to drive in and things like that. So they're kind of all grumbly about it at the moment, but yeah. A report just came out the other day saying that if they brought it in, the the um so the people that would come to Tasmania for events and the type of events they could hold in there it would be twenty five times you know what it costs what would what it would bring to the state. So, well, hopefully they get a team. I think Tasmania deserves one. I mean, it's the oldest uh, settlement in Australia. That's where we first settled down here in um, Port Arthur. Okay, so. Let me ask you this as a follow-up, and this is for both of you. And so when the 19th license comes in in 2027, it's just a natural progression that you're going to need an even number. So where does license number 20 go? Maybe Northern Territory? Oh, I don't know. There's not oh, there's not enough people in Darwin to, to sort of sort of have a team up there. It's a little bit it's, sort of boggy. It's that or we, we lose a team because it, it can't be uneven. I, I don't think anyone likes buyers so it might be victoria um loses the team but yeah who knows okay i guess you, yeah. you could probably give a you could probably give another team to south australia but oh, i don't know it's well, a good yeah, question I, I know i've I, i've uh you know i've had some people that have seen you know because supposedly it was uh i think it was i think i've read where townsville has already thrown their hat into the ring to say that they're that they wanted to pursue a twentieth side, and and maybe you know with them being as far north as they are, maybe the the club gets split between them and Darwin, possibly. Yeah, that might work. Um, my my wife's brother lives in Townsville, so shout out to Townsville. Um, it's a fantastic area of the world up there, um, and I'd love a team up there because I go visit there a lot, and um, it's only rugby territory, so. 
it'd make my life uh, a bit more enjoyable. Yeah, that's for and, sure. And what about you know what about Canberra? You know, putting one in the the ACT. Oh, yeah, you got to visit Canberra, and you'll know why they'll never have a team there. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I have I had a a gentleman who I I chat with quite a bit, who's a Giants supporter that lives there. He's one of the foundational members from the Giants, and you know. As he says, sometimes they'll draw they'll draw more fans in Canberra than they will at Giant Stadium. Um, it's true. That's true because of all the politicians being uh, footy supporters, and Carrara yeah. is a pretty good football as well too. But yeah. um, it's just more that that town is just built for politics. It's like Washington DC, I guess. Well, that's yeah, and I uh, you know, I, and I know that's where the final season of Rake took place, quite frankly. But uh, uh, I love that you've watched Rake. Richard <laughs> Roxborough is someone I considered for. Uh, a part because we went with the really old school Australian actors that hadn't had roles for a long time. Yeah, that we wanted to see again. But uh, yeah, Rake Rake is an interesting show. He's a great character. Well, I mean, or even the, uh, um, and I don't know the actor's name, but you know, <clears throat> I think you know, and this is just me editorializing here, but I think you know your 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 hard nosed local footy coach could be the uh, the gentleman that played. I think his, his character's name was Ray from Mister In Between. Ah, he's in it. No, okay. So he's we've that's so funny that you said that because the the main coaching role we've written specifically for Eric Banner and being that the Nagambi Lakers are actually the St Kilda jumper, uh -huh. um, we thought that might uh, entice he, him a little bit. To there play. you go. Yeah, but um, no, the guy from Mister In Between. I love that you've seen Mister In Between. That is my favorite. It's like a I call it Australia's Pulp Fiction TV series. That's a good way uh, to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's actually going to play. Well, we've written the role of Daryl uh, Daryl Keegan, the um, basically the uh, antagonist in the story slash bikey character who plays for the uh, rival team for him. Okay. Wow. So we have... uh, I guess that's pretty. You know, I, I think I can safely say that maybe I'm maybe I'm immersing myself quite a bit in you know because <laughs> in that because I, I I like I said I watch a lot of. Um, Australian shows because we, we we have a channel here like streaming service called Acorn TV which has a lot of British shows but then it also has a lot of things out of New Zealand a lot of things out of Australia as well so you know I've watched the Moody's uh you know the Moody's Christmas and that sort of thing um <laughs> you know it's uh that's a good show. and I don't I don't know if you know this little bit of trivia but the the actor that played the lead and this is where you may be able to get an in there if you can get him you might be able to get Narrowly Meadows because that's his that's her brother Meadows. Which character are you talking about in the Moody's? The 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 young man, the the the, the normal brother, not the not the really eccentric brother, the, the one that's quasi normal. Uh, yeah, so he, so he wrote the show. He's actually been on yeah. uh, different different characters um, in yeah. Neighbors and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I've not seen Neighbors, but yeah, that's narrowly that's narrowly Meadows' brother. Uh, what's his name? Ian Meadows. That's right, Ian Meadows. Yeah, yeah. So. I I had her on the podcast a couple of years ago because she went to college here for a while in the U.S. and you know love her I love her podcast as well. So yeah, I wanted to you know ask you real quickly are are they dead set on naming the 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 team the Devils? Is that is that if when the club comes that they're going to be the Devils? Because I have an alternative name. Well, the, okay, so the, yes, they are they are pretty set on the Devils. It has been coined and it's been in the papers here to say that that's what it'll be. It's not official, mm -hmm. but the other animal that we have down here that is very sort of um, iconic of Tasmania is the extinct animal, the Tasmanian tiger. Right. 
Um, but they're also called a thylacine, I guess, is there sort of, they're sort of like a mammal tiger with stripes. It's a crazy animal that died out um, in the 1800s because it got hunted down. Right. So, but we've already got the tigers, the Richmond tigers. So they can't right. be the Tasmanian tigers, even though that's a really good alliterative name. Um, they'll probably end up with the Tassie devils. Um, what's your alternative? Okay. First of all, my jumper, but I'm it's yellow. It's a yellow base jumper. The top of it kind of has like little ruffles across the top, similar to the uh, the the swan um, feathers, if you will. They're supposed yeah. to re represent the opera house. Now, hear me out on this, okay? It's yellow at the top there. It's outlined with a little yeah. bit of black there, and the team's name is the Hobart Simpsons, and you got Bart Simpson's face on there. The Hobart. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to make that fake jumper just for fun because that would be hilarious. That could be one of the teams in the film, the Hobart Simpsons. Hobart Simpsons. There you go. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's it's classic because it's very similar to the Opera House, if you can just imagine the. Yeah, that, that's his hair. The yeah. The hair. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know, we've talked a lot about about this screenplay and, and it's, it's fascinating. And I, and I, um, this is something my son's a naval officer, but he 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 is he has all these ideas for a uh, a screenplay you know screenplay ideas and such, and he kind of tinkers around within his spare time. But I I have one that I want to talk to you about off air that I think is absolutely legitimate. That is one that I that I think you could maybe even get funded from elsewhere because it it's. Uh, it's such a fascinating story and it's a, it's about somebody that I've had on the podcast, but I'll talk to you about it off air uh, because okay. it is, it's such a fast, it, it is a really remarkable story that this guy did what he did. Um, but want to talk about your podcast a little bit, the, the teacher's aid podcast, because you know, you, you are a teacher by trade and you've done a number yeah. of interviews with a, a gentleman by the name of Jim Poulter. And I, and just some absolutely fascinating um stories that he was beginning to tell and he, and one of the things that, that was at the early part of one of the episodes where he talked about how there was a lifespan of 179 years between he and his grandfather which you know yeah is a long period of time and uh first of all what what gave the idea then to start up the podcast itself because it's you know that's a that's something it, that, you know only crazy people like i do and you seem somewhat normal it, it was so i was i was the drama coordinator at Melbourne Grammar School in um, Victoria, and uh, it's an all boys school there. So I was sort of deciding, you know, what am I going to do for a play for this year? I had the year sevens and eights, and one of the boys actually said, came up to me and said, "Can we do a play about footy?" And I said, "Oh yeah, okay, we can we can try, but we'll, we'll probably have to write one. There's not many that exist other than um, I think it's called When the Big Men Fly is one of the only other plays. Um, so." I started doing a bit of research and then I found out, oh, hang on, Australian Rules Footy's history is amazing. And mm -hmm. not only that, the two schools that played in the very first game of Australian Rules football was between the school I was working for and their rivals, Scotch College. So I did a little bit of research and our Indigenous coordinator, Robbie Armat, who used to play for Collingwood and uh, Sydney, he invited me to come along to the game, which is, I think it's the oldest sporting cup in the world now it's called the Cogner edelston cup and it's played between melbourne grammar school and scotch college 
Okay. We go to we go to the game and I'm watching this game and then halfway through at the halftime break because that's I think that's one thing that I love about Australian rules footy is you always get like a good break in the middle of the game. It's only five or so minutes at quarter time, but in the middle you get a big big break. And this old guy who's seventy, I think how old's Jim now? I think he's seventy six. Um, he goes out in the middle of the field and he's got a microphone and he starts talking about this Aboriginal game Mangrook and he pulls out the Mangrook. And he got, uh, I think it was, what's the, Jack, what's the name of the player for uh, Western Bulldogs, the Indigenous guy, plays in the forward line? Um, Buku Kamas? Yugo uh, Hagen. Yugo yeah, Hagen. Hagen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Yugo Hagen was playing for Scotch at that point in time, but he's only a youngster. And in the senior team was Cyril Rioli. So mm. those, those two were playing Mangrook on the oval with Jim Poulter and he was talking and and telling the whole story of um of sort of how it came to be and his family connection with it and I'm watching it I'm going I'm just I'm starting to write a play about this so I chased him across the oval ran across the oval and if you walk across the Scotch oval you nearly get shot because it's it's better than the MCG if you if when if and when you come to Melbourne see if you can sneak into Scotch College and see their oval because it is absolutely stunning uh huh um, so I chased him across the oval, went to the back of his car and caught him. And he just started telling me these stories. He'd written two or three books about it. And I said, oh, this is great, Jim. Did and the more and more I spoke to him, the more and more I wanted to let people know all of these stories. Because he was actually the first person to suggest the um, the connection between the two games, albeit uh, into the theory that it has now become. Mm-hmm. So we just got to chatting and then he invited me over to his house. We had a couple of coffees together and stuff and i said let do you want to do a podcast human he goes i'd love to so i put it all together last year and it ended up being like a bit of a five-hour journey i don't know how far you are through it but um we tried to sort of talk about his family history his his true connection and then go through the entire history of australian football and its connection to yeah it's, it's 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 a fascinating from what i've heard so far but you know what i thought was interesting and i and i was going to share this with you is that you know we kind of, you know, he was talking about that that length of time there, that 179 years. But, you know, we kind of have an interesting story like that here in the United States. The 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 guy who was the 10th president of the United States, a guy by the name of John Tyler. He was born in 1790. He was born in 1790. So that is 233 years ago. He still has a living grandson today. Wow. Yeah. He has a living grandson today still. His his grandson is 90, I think it's 94 right now, because his son, Tyler, the present Tyler's son was born in 1853, and he fathered this, this guy who's now 94 when he was 75 years old. Wow. So, 75, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the knowledge that those people pass on to each other is amazing too. I mean, that's where Jim got his knowledge from, you know? Yeah, it's it it is it's it's yeah, it's very very cool that that sort of thing, and that's one of the things as far as being being teachers, you know, that we we get the opportunity to you know to try to touch on that a little bit and learn from kids, and you know, and hopefully that they learn a little bit about things from their parents. I mean, I have an assignment that my kids will be doing next week because none of them were alive when nine eleven happened, so they have to go and interview a family member who was alive during nine eleven to actually talk about it. Because I said, you've probably never spoken about nine eleven before with anybody. You're going to do that yeah. now. You're gonna go, you're gonna go learn a little bit about it. You know, some firsthand knowledge from one of your family members about what was going on. And I, you know, I had this happen. You know, um, well, I, I did this assignment. 
you know, a number of years ago. And it was a young man that I knew because his brother played on my baseball team that I was coaching. And I didn't realize it at the time, but his mom, who I knew, had been a flight attendant. And she was actually in the air somewhere across the United States when 9-11 was happening. You know, when they're basically well, telling wow. all the planes, get down on the, you know, get to get to the ground as quick as you can, uh, that type of thing. And I didn't know that until I read the interview that he had done with his mom. And it's like, holy cow. So, you know, what made you want to become a teacher? Who inspired you? Was there somebody that, that gave you that bug to want to actually do this for a career? Oh, it, I'll, I'll try and give you the shortened version of the story, but I know the exact moment. Okay. It, 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 it's a little bit of a long story. I apologize. If I'm waffling, just, just cut me off. Feel free. Uh, didn't know what I wanted to do when I finished high school. Mum saw a job in the paper for a teacher's aide. Hence why I called my podcast Teacher's Aid. Okay. And got to the, got to the school as a 19-year-old, and they paired me with a kid who had ADD to the power of 10. <laughs> I had to um, I had to give him Ritalin every morning. It was one of the most horrible things I've ever had to do because I had to watch him turn into a zombie after I gave it to him. Yeah. So instead of giving it to him one day, I asked his mom, I said, can we just go for a run outside and have a kick of the footy and let's just see if that calms him down instead of having to, you know, Mm -hmm. medicate him and it wasn't something i probably should have said as a 19 year old but um i decided to do that took him outside and we would kick the footy and read a book together and i taught him all of his lessons through this book that gary lyon wrote called specky mcgee anyway about a month later a young kid right around the time of 9 11 this was had moved over from iraq he'd fled the country and he'd been going to the local school uh that was there i was at the catholic school he was at the um the state school Mm-hmm. and he got transferred to the school and he'd been bullied significantly by the kids over there about all of the 9-11 stuff and they were really giving him a hard time. So even though he wasn't religious, his um his parents decided to send him to the Catholic school where I was. And I just sort of was given the job randomly, got called into the principal's office. Can you help this boy integrate into the classroom and get him to be friends with everyone? And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm 19 years old. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Um, so the only re- way I could really think about doing it was to play a, to get him to play sport. So okay. I took my little ADD man out and we would kick the footy together. And over the course of three weeks, I taught him how to play football with this other kid. They became good mates. A week later, a game of football was being taken, was taking place between my school and ironically the school that he had just come from. Oh, wow. And it was a big match. And his entire family came down to watch the game. There were 20 of them. They were all refugees from Iraq. And on this 19-year-old kid sitting on the bench, sitting on the sidelines coaching against this this school that had just bullied him so badly. Uh, About five minutes into the second quarter, I decided, because he hadn't been there the whole time, so I had to start him on the bench. I said, Mm -hmm. all right, you start on the bench. Gave him an old pair of footy boots I had from when I was about 10 years old. And he goes onto the field and I'm like, you've got to kick it through the big sticks. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I understand big sticks. So he didn't really understand what would happen when he went out on the field. So because he was a soccer player, he just played on all the time. So the ball got kicked out to him in the forward line. He bounced up over him. He jumped and grabbed it with one hand, turned around, run around three blokes and kicked the goal. Wow. Five minutes later, same thing happened. He took a mark, didn't know what to do, played on, kicked another goal. And game went through. He got heaps of touches. He was doing a really good job. And in the last quarter, one of the other teammates, uh, blokes from the other team, stood on his foot and he rolled his ankle and he couldn't finish the game. Oh, man. 
And he came off, sat on the boundary, boundary line. He was just running up and down going, I'm fine, I'm fine. But he was limping like he'd had a broken leg. It was pretty hardcore. Oh, man. Anyway, Siren goes five minutes later. We've won the game by three points. Without his two goals, we never would have won. And I, I said to him, go and shake hands with every single player on the other team. That's what we do at the end. Regardless of whether we win or lose, we shake hands. And I said, and, you know, look them in the eye when you do it, you know, because we won this game because you kicked those two goals today. And he did that, shook hands with all of them, and we're in the uh, footy rooms. And he hadn't really had any friends until that point. And I walked into the rooms, and he's sitting in the corner, and every single kid from my grade is all standing around him, congratulating him and saying, well done, and sort of building his friends. That is and awesome. then I get, yeah, then I get this, this is kind of the the, the hardcore bit. Uh, I get this tap on the shoulder and I turn around and the scariest looking man I've ever seen in my life says, I need to talk to you for a minute. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was his dad. I didn't know this at the time. Uh-huh. He take, takes me outside the rooms uh, to the side and says, what you have done for my son is something that I no one has ever done. I have not seen him happy since we have been in this country. And he started to cry. And he gave me a big hug. And I remember feeling this like shot of electricity up my spine saying, you should go and be a teacher. This feels too good to, wow. to not do. Wow. And a week later, I uh, applied to university, moved over to Bendigo, started playing footy in the Bendigo Footy League for South Bendigo and finished my teaching degree. And that's why I chose to do it. Sorry if that was a bit long. No. Uh, you know what? I, Jack, did you know that story? I didn't. I was. It was a great. It wasn't long okay. at all, man. It's it some okay. good background. Because I was going to say, I was going to say, if if you knew that story, and I had tried to stop him, I hope you would have jumped in and told me to shut the hell up so he could finish that. Because that was, <laughs> I'm I'm I've got goosebumps listening to that. That is, that is absolutely, wow. Yeah, I, I still wow. have the photo of the team. I'll, I'll send you the photo of email. His name was uh, his converted name to a. a uh, Australia was Jack, but his last name was Masawi. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he was he was ten years old. Yeah. And that is, and now if, have you kept up with him at all? Do you know what Jack is? What well, what he's doing now? Uh, postscript is a, is not as good as the actual okay. story. Okay. Uh, postscript, he uh, he became a bit of a ladies' man at school. Um, well, he might he footy- might th- he might think it's a good story then. Oh, from his perspective, <laughs> yeah. he loved it. But um, yeah, he got in a little bit of a scuffle with one of the other boys because he liked that girl, and and then yeah. Jack, because he's now the football star, was was uh, friends with her, and it, you know, it, it led to its own version of uh, you know the the bold and the beautiful. But it was um, you know it, it, that was the initial spark that said wow. this is a great, great, great career to choose. And what about what about the young man that you were working with initially? How, how was he doing? Uh, so he came, he became the water boy for Rushworth Football Club, who I was playing for at the time. He okay. uh, chose to play football in the thirds. And so the, the thirds is like the under 18s competition. Right, right. And he ended up becoming a really good player. I ended up playing in the seniors with him about six years later. We were teammates, which was pretty cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a, uh, wow. And I'm, I'm glad I, asked you about that because you know i i i do ask that sort of thing it's it's i think i asked that when i had cole hutchinson on what you know what inspired him to become a teacher that type of thing is why because i because you know i have my story in terms of how i became one and it's you know it's not nearly as 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 insightful as as yours was um and as wonderful as yours was but 
I can still remember the feeling like that, 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 um, the, what you said, yeah, goosebumps before it was like that, but like to the power of 10, it was like this, yeah. I don't know, it was like an electric charge up my spine. I can still feel it when I talk about it. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. So before, before, go ahead, Jack. What was that, Jack? I was just, just saying it's a, it was a calling that you felt. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. This, this sounds like you're through sequel. footy though, through footy of all, yeah. of all things. Hmm. Yeah, this, this sounds like the next screenplay you should be working on. Oh, that one I wrote into a short story, actually. I've got okay. that as a little short story collection, yeah. Okay, and the one I'm going to mention to you is is somewhat similar to this, but it happened somewhere else. Um, okay. But, I'll, but I'll, I'll share, like I said, I'll share that with you because it's, it's, it, it's something that if I had to know how, in terms of how to do it, I would try to write it myself. But I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, to, to quote Forrest Gump, I'm not a very smart man. Um, so, <laughs> but, uh, so let me, but you let know, me, what love is right. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I got married twice. Yes. <laughs> got, got married twice. As, as, as we mentioned off air, you know, Jack, I don't think you were there, but, uh, when I, I told you, I told uh, Dan about, uh, you know, how all my students have, have, have seen my, have met my first wife, you know, house fell on her legs rolled up. Dorothy got her shoes. Um, <laughs> so yeah and her little dog too threw a bucket of, then he threw a bucket of water on her yeah exactly <laughs> yes that was you know but i was i was i was dumb and naive at that point in time and and somebody tried to tell me something because we were we were we we had an outdoor wedding scheduled that day in in the city park where we were living it's not going to be anything terribly fancy we got three inches of rain that day so which that'd be like seven centimeters of rain that day somebody was trying to tell me something and i didn't listen uh, somebody tried to rain on my parade, and I decided, well, let's just go ahead and have the have the wedding where the reception is going to take place. But, um, if I was to ask each one of you, um, what are the three films? Since we're talking movies here, what are the three films that you think everyone should see? Well, you want first, Jack, or uh, I might need some thinking time. Um, oh, I, reckon, I, I, I reckon the castle is definitely one. Um, as an Australian, I think that's the premier Australian film of all time. Eric Banner, obviously in it. Um, it's one of the great classic comedies. Um, and one of my favourite films of all time. Very, very watchable. Uh, but for the other two, I might um, have, a, have a think. Okay. Uh, I go Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, and the first Mad Max movie. Ooh. So you threw an Australian one in there. <laughs> well, let's let's be honest. Technic um, technically, Mel Gibson was born in the U.S., but uh, you know we 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 kind of you know he he had his issues here recently, where some folks may have may have said, yeah, we'll go ahead and let Australia keep him after some of the things that happened recently. But he's kind of been on a great redemption tour. But yeah, that the original Mad Max is a great film. Absolutely great. Probably put Goodfellas in my top three. Okay. Um, Shawshank's an absolute cracker. I might have to agree with you there on that third fan. Yeah. What would yours be, Craig? Ooh. Um. You know, I. I would. I would say one. And this is just from me being an American, and I think it, it's just something that is a, a film that is the quintessential feel-good-about-being-an-American film, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. 
okay. um, yep. which is, you know, that film came out in 1939, actually the same year as the wizard of Oz and, uh, uh, gone with the wind. Those are not my other two. I would, uh, gosh, um, it's a hard question, isn't it, Craig? It is. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't thought about it from my angle. I'm always the one that asks the questions, not after not to answer them. I, I another one that I really love that is a very poignant one because it 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 uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance, I think would be one. Oh yeah, okay, good song um, too. And I I don't know if I would have a third off the top of my head right now. I don't. Uh, you're not going to go with the classic American "It's a Wonderful Life" Christmas movie? No, you know what? I, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go a few years later than that. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Psycho. Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, Hitchcock. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go all. You know, I'm going to go Alfred Hitchcock there. So, uh, all three of them are black and white films. They are. Which, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and, and I'm I. Smith goes to Washington, so I've shot, shot that down. Yeah, Frank that, Capra, he's yeah. Yes, and actually, that was, you know, um, like I said, it came out the same year as Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz. It got it got nominated for, and I think it won for best story, um, so best screenplay, that's if you will. Of, that's one of those years where they had two great films in there, and they can't all share the awards. Well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, plus you also it's had happened. The Searchers, I think, was that year as well. I mean, it, you know. I've read it because I, I show Mr. Smith goes to Washington in my government class. And mm. I have, I have seen that film. Still fighting for that lost cause. huh? Yeah. Well over a hundred times. <laughs> I've seen it well over a hundred times and I still get goosebumps when I watch it, but I have to, I yeah. have to, I have to talk 17 year olds into investing two hours into an 84 year old movie. So I, I, I look at, you know, lists yeah. that the IMDB and the American film Institute have done where they have it ranked like in the top 35 movies of all time and like the greatest, you know, greatest film heroes, uh, the, you know, Jefferson Smith's character. And it's Jimmy Stewart, same guy from uh, it's a wonderful life. Um, he's my, well, he's my yeah. favorite. He's my favorite actor. Um, far and away. Um, you know what? I, I may take psycho off that list. I'm going to take psycho off the list and I'm going to put catch 22. Okay. On, I'm going to put catch 22 on there instead. Absolutely, that is one absolutely love seen. Catch Twenty Two. I've never seen that. Oh, it it has <laughs> one of the, it is it's it's a World War Two movie, and it uh, um, Alan Arkin, who just recently passed away, to me it's one of his it's one of his best roles. Um, oh, the this, Teller, it's a book. I know the yeah, book. it's a yeah, book first. Okay. Yeah, but it uh, it was a film where he's a bombardier on it, you know, and they're in I think they're in Italy during World War Two. And there's a huge black market thing going on. And uh, he's trying to prove that he's, you know, too crazy to fly because he's afraid to fly anymore. And Orson Welles is in it. I mean, it's it's a huge cast. It is a huge cast of characters. I mean, great actors in this one. Um, But there's one scene where Orson Welles is like the commander of the base. And he's giving this inspirational speech uh, where to all of the planes as they're getting ready to take off and go out on this mission and, and they're getting ready to do, you know, go out and do this and go out and do this. And they're they're I turned my camera back on for this because they're you know, they're showing all of the uh the flyers in the planes, you know, after he's given the speech and they're getting ready to take off and the flyers are all saluting him. They're all saluting him. And uh Alan Arkin's character just goes flips him <laughs> off. You know, it gives him gives him the single finger salute. Um 
it's just it's just a hilarious scene. It's just such a preposterous film, but it it just is. I really enjoy that one. Um, I love Psycho as well, but Catch Twenty Two is a, is a hilarious movie. So, oh, that's on my list. Okay, that's both uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington and Catch Twenty Two. Looking forward to watching them, man. You're, Outstanding. Uh, a movie uh, buff like us, so uh, looking yeah. forward to it. So, and um, before we wrap up here, so what? What is the uh, what is either the best or the worst advice that either one of you has been given? Oh. <laughs> All right, it's going to take. Um, some... So I'll, I'll go with the best advice first. So this is my old man, um, absolutely stuck in my head, but. Everything in moderation. Uh, okay, um, is it was his advice. Everything in moderation, regardless of what it is, and uh, it's always stuck with me. And um, I guess that's why I'm into basically everything, and and not super into just one thing. Okay, so um, Dan, what about you, sir? Okay, mine's from a person I've never met, but that helped me a lot when uh when i was a teenager and it was a quote from bruce lee of all people wow okay and the quote says uh there is no help but self-help and Ooh. it's really interesting because i find a lot of students that i have to say this to because you, you can go see a psychologist you can go and get people to help you you can you can find all the people in the world to do things for you but in the end it's your decision to do the thing that you need to do that helps you yep so unless you take that personal responsibility you can't yep. that's a, you can't ever change and so i think that's really it's really important it's kind of like the basketball coach john wooden's quote that i have up in my classroom that uh, and i have like 450 quotes up on the walls in my classroom um cool. and his line is uh you know if you if you don't have the you know if, if you don't have the time to do it right when will you have the time to do it over yeah you know that kind of thing so um all right uh guys one last question for you before we we close up here and i and i dan i think i might know your answer because you may have already told it to me um what is it that each of you is the most proud of in your lives I guess that moment from teaching is something I'm proud of, but it probably wouldn't be my proudest moment. Um, I think my proudest moment was, it's another footy one. It's so funny. It's probably why we're writing all these footy stories. Is um, is making the decision to move to a different football club within the same league and and choosing to dedicate myself to that and that group of players who I still talk to now, who ironically, a lot of them live in Tasmania. And playing that season with them, and winning the grand final at the end of the year and mm -hmm. spending a week camping together after that, really just enjoying our uh, our time. But it took so much dedication for everybody in that team because we weren't the best team. We had to we had to train to become the best team in that league. And I think I remember writing down what I wanted to do at the start of that year and then reading it at the end of the year and everything that I'd written down that I wanted to do had been fulfilled. And I just remember feeling really proud of that. Well, it's... Yeah. it's it is like that uh, quote from Kevin Durant uh, that says, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. So you guys worked. Yeah. So um, how about you, Jack? What was yours? 
Um, look, I've had a, a bit of time to think about it. I reckon mine would happen have to be uh, marrying my wife. Um, she's going to be listening to this. So that's Becky, a very, very um, smart look, answer, also, sir. Very smart answer. Also, Bit of a loose cannon um, growing up, um, you know, always held a steady job, but certainly um, never thought about settling down. Um, and um, she's been my anchor since meeting her. She's um, the smartest person in the room. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated by her and, and she continues to inspire me every day. Uh, Dan knows her well. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm pretty proud of locking her down because I think um, – yeah, she's um, she's one of a kind. It's diamond in the rough. There you go. Yeah, and, and you know, I guess I have to ask: is the is the uh, is the right term to use? I guess you could maybe use the alternative. You know, you anchor. You know, could it be like you know, the the hot air balloon that you know that provides you the lift that you need in your life? I, and again, anchor certainly works because they keep you anchored ground. They keep you. They keep. I get it that that works, but is it, does anybody ever use it the opposite way and say that this is the person that is like the the wind Lifts beneath my wings? If we, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't. I didn't need any of that, Craig. I okay. Someone to, to bring me. He back was already in the clouds. He needed an anchor to hold him on the ground, like there like you, a beautiful kite flying in the wind. There you go. Okay, <laughs> so so guys, where where can people find? Um, your work and uh you know dan will jack be a future guest on your podcast yeah we haven't really spoken about that to be honest i think we just kind of wanted to get the screenplay yeah. done but yeah we, we could definitely do that i'm heading actually heading back to melbourne in a couple of weeks i'm staying with him down there so that might be a good opportunity for me to ship the podcast gear over and and do that yeah but if yeah you contact us about anything to do with the film we do have a film company called chaperong films it's D-J-A-B-W-U-R-R-U-N-G films at gmail.com. Um, I am partnered with another uh, person as well named Robbie Armat, who I was talking to you about before. He kicked, I think, goal of the year in 2001 in the AFL. If you look that okay. up, you'll be able to find him. He has, he has helped me with a lot of the Indigenous content within the story and, and helped sort of build his character in the middle. He's And he's obviously signed on to play the character of Danny Parker in the story as well, who you would have okay. read about. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Fantastic. And you're going to, if you'll send me that link, because I tried starting to spell that as you were going along there and I got li- I got lost in the middle. So if you'll email it's that, actually, me that link. It's actually an indigenous word and it right, came from right. him. It's the name of the language mob that Tom Wills, the inventor of Australian rules football, the area that he lived in. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. that's, and that is, you know, one of my, one of the interviews that I have, been try i've been working on and i don't know Ingara, if you're listening to this i'm not calling you out on this because i know you've been extraordinarily busy but i have been working for the last three years to try to do this interview uh and i as somebody who i i, I do communicate quite a bit with online and i'm trying to set up an interview with her father and possibly her brother as well because her brother is uh um i can't think of uh Neil Lovett Murray that played with Essendon. Nathan oh, Lovett yeah. Nathan, yeah, Nathan 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 Murray. Yeah. yeah. Uh does broadcasting on the Nears network from time to time. But their great grandfather is Sir Douglas Nichols. Yeah. And, you know, I've been trying to arrange, you know, we and we've we've gotten yeses yet, but we've never been able to set up the time for me to sit down to talk with her her father about his grandfather. 
which I really, I really hope I can do that, have that conversation because from everything that I have read about this gentleman, that he is in many ways, the way I've described it is he seems to be Australia's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That was a pretty handy footy player as yeah. well. Yeah, he was a very handy footy player. He was yeah. um, he was amazing actually. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the Mangrook Indigenous Round are named after him. So right, right, yeah. But his his uh, his great granddaughter is involved. She is involved in politics and is it holds office right now, I believe. So she's been very busy. So we've never been able to actually nail down the time. But I would, and I, and I'll I'll send her a note. Usually, like the last three years, like a month before the Sir Douglas Nichols rounds and say, you know, and just say, I, I'm not bothering you, but, you know, if, you know, is it a possibility that it could happen this year? She said she'll reach out and I, and I'm not her back, but she's a wonderful person. You know, we've, we've had some great conversations. She does, she takes some beautiful photography of the area in the country where she lives. And I, and I've actually used some of those as a background on my computer in my classroom, because they're just beautiful images that she's, that she's created and, and that she's shot there. So, but I'm hoping to, to be able to talk with him sometime in the near future. So, well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time so very much. This was a lot of fun. I know we had a few hiccups right at the beginning. I think we got it resolved. There were a couple little small instances where we kind of faded in or out, but I think in the great grand scheme of things, we're going to be all right. Um, cool. I am looking forward to uh, hearing the great news that, uh, that Eric Bana says, absolutely. Um <laughs> You know. So we do actually have a connection with Eric Banner in a sense. Um, so my brother is um, the the carpenter slash tradesman um, for Molly Meldrum. I'm not sure whether you know Molly Meldrum, Craig. I do um, not. But he was he was Australia's uh, foremost um, music uh, extraordinaire um, across the late '80s, early '90s, and even still today, he's a household name in Australia. Molly Meldrum. Um, and he is, I believe, uh, St Kilda's number one uh, ticket holder. If not, he'd be right up there. Um, so he's got the St Kilda connection. He knows everyone in the industry. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there's, we, as, as we started writing this thing, we realised just how many little connections just kept cropping up in terms of our everyday lives, in terms of who we know and, um, you know, who we might be able to talk to to get this thing off the ground. So, um yeah, really looking forward to, to getting a, a tight little package of this script together and, and getting it across to the right people and and um, yeah, getting it financed and getting it off the ground. It's an amazing story. Yeah, it, it is. It is an amazing story. And uh, I look forward to hearing the great news when you, you know, you make your next step and you get the, the positive results that you want and then the positive results after that until ultimately um, – I end up being an executive producer since I, you know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> plus the cameo, plus the cameo. Yeah, Craig, the, you know what? I'll tell you what. Yeah. Uh, I would like, you know, these are only the 220 gram jars. Okay. I would, I would, I would, I would love to have, I have actually seen a five kilo tub of Vegemite. Yeah, we can get them. If we can make that work. We now the ship, shipping is going to be a little difficult, but if we can make that work, I would sign on and, you know, you could just use audio. Cause again, I've already told you, I, I have a, I have what you would call a face for radio or podcasting. So that's why I only use the still images on my, uh, on the, uh, on my YouTube channel. So, but ladies and gentlemen, uh, my guests have been Dan Bevan and Jack Vandeven. Gentlemen, this has been an 
absolute delight. This has been a lot of laughs, um, a lot of fun. I, I love what you're doing with this. I wish you the absolute best of luck. And if you're listening and you know uh, anyone who would also be a connection that might be helpful, uh, that, you know, please reach out to these gentlemen. Um, I will get their website uh, in the show notes. So you can take a look at that. Um, and uh, I think this is a, a wonderful, wonderful project that they're looking uh, to get accomplished. And I can't wait to see the uh, the results. And I, and I do hope it comes to fruition because this sounds like an awesome story. Well, thanks, thanks, Craig. Thanks very much. You bet, guys. You bet. And uh, I wish you a wonderful, wonderful day. And enjoy the footy today. And uh, I hope your wife enjoys the game up there in uh, in Melbourne today. Go to the Saints. There you go. I, I think we're, I we're looking forward to the next. We're looking forward to the next one, Craig, where we we share the good news and ask you on. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that that'd be great. Yeah. But I I'll be honest. I I tipped the Giants to win today. So. Um, I tipped the Giants, and uh, I actually tipped Port Adelaide to beat Brisbane up at the Gabba, even though Gab they haven't lost at the Gabba all year. So, oh, I that one. yeah, I know, I know, I, uh, and you know, my and I should mention before we wrap up, you know, the, the one of the big reasons I became a Cat supporter, you know, there was one player back in 2016 and 20, 2017 that actually drove me into the Cats camp that, uh, all solid. No, it's somebody. Nobody ever thinks of this gentleman. Man, nobody ever. No, Nakaya Cockatoo. Cockatoo. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Nakaya Cockatoo was the you know watching him play. He was. He reminded me as I'm just starting to watch footy. I was still watching it through the lens of an NFL fan, and he was like a bull in a china shop, and was just. The term that we use here when it, when an NFL player or a college football player makes a really big hit and tackles a guy hard, they call it a decleater because you basically took him off his cleats and put him on his butt. And I watched I watched Cockatoo do that two or three times in a game against Carlton, and it was like that guy. That's the guy I want to watch. And then not long <laughs> after that, he got not long after that he got like four years straight worth of soft tissue injuries and couldn't get on the ground. And now he's with Brisbane. And he's played, I think, three games in the last two years. He didn't get a game all year. So I have the I have the same story of my first AFL game. Dad took me to uh Essen and Geelong. Gary Ablett kicked eight goals, four in the last quarter, and one over his head to win the game. Wow. Wow. That's and that's that's how you became a cat supporter. Yeah, I was Carlton before that, because uh, uh my uh great grandfather played for Carlton. So yeah. Wait a minute! You had a family member that played for Carlton, and you bailed on him? No, uh, yeah, sort of. Okay, <laughs> just checking. Just That's checking. What I'm hearing, Craig. Wow, <laughs> wow. And I, I'm, I'm guessing your great grandfather is not with us anymore. No, no, I do have his. Uh, it's so funny. The, my, my actual grandpa found all of his uh, biography notes just as he was on his deathbed. He wrote a fifty-page journal about sort of his life in the. The, through the depression and stuff it was really interesting to read actually yeah that sounds like an interesting story mm, it is but for yeah. another podcast my friend yes <laughs> absolutely absolutely but uh okay guys well have a fantastic day and i hope you enjoy the footy i'll be sleeping through the saint kilda game but i'll watch that one tomorrow sometime but i hope you have a great day guys i appreciate it cheers 
Thank you. Thanks, Craig. You bet. You bet. All right, guys, I want to thank both of you so very much, uh, Dan, Jack, for sitting down. I love the concept of the screenplay. You know, I, I really think this could go somewhere. You know, we, we talked about a couple of names. Um, you know, Mr. Roxborough from uh, from Rake. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that show. I mean, he's he's everything as a human being that I have never and ever, never will be. So it, it's almost like it's kind of fun to live his you know live my life through his vicariously you know but again i wouldn't i wouldn't want to have it because he had so many issues going on but i really really enjoyed that show but uh and jack irish also a wonderful one as well but uh, hopefully you uh have some success with getting this getting this thing marketed and can't wait to talk to you about it again and uh like i told you if you need a scene with a uh an american podcaster talking with this young man i'm your guy and uh as i mentioned i'll work for vegemite and an executive producer role. Okay. Um, on the, I'm kidding about that. Okay. Hey, folks, remember, you can find everything about the podcast over at my website, yankonthefooty.com. Get on the mailing list there. So when new episodes come out there in your inbox within about 10 minutes of when they're released, I send those out to you from my website. So you can click on any of the different uh, podcast apps uh, to allow you to listen to it there. Um, leave a review. Okay. If you want to help out the podcast, you can click on that buy me a coffee button in the bottom left-hand corner or over on the right side. It's that little yellow button. Helps keep the lights on, helps keep the podcast up and running. Again, I'm a one-man band here uh, running this thing all by myself. I do get a lot of help, you know, with people coming on the podcast, but I'm doing all the work behind the scenes and what promoting is getting done. It's all happening for me while I'm also working my, you know, my job as a teacher and all of the extracurricular things that I do after school. And my garden is an absolute wreck, too. So, again, hopefully you'll head over to my website and you'll get signed up over there. You can also reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or at a yank on the footy podcast on Facebook or yank on the footy on Instagram. You can find Craig Wessels on Facebook. You can also find me on LinkedIn as well if you want to hook up over there. If you have an idea for a great guest, and I have a couple of irons in the fire. I've got one lined up for Tuesday night of next week that I've had to reschedule a couple times. Um... This is the gentleman who's the marketing director for Major League Cricket here in the United States. Really looking forward to talking to him because I have taken that deep dive into a shallow pool of water um, like they do at the circus. The guy climbs up the really tall pole and jumps into the little bucket of water there. Okay, I haven't done that yet, but I'm watching a hell of a lot of cricket, and I'm really, really enjoying it. I just love the three-dimensional, 360-degree aspect of the game because you never know where the ball's going. And I'm starting to pick up on some of the nuances again with the T20. Um, I was going to watch one of the uh, the the one day internationals, and I I sat down and I was getting ready to turn it on, and I saw that the uh, I didn't want to watch just the highlights. I wanted to watch both teams batting or both teams bowling, as the case may be. And the first one was about three and a half hours long, and I. Did not quite, and I guess it. I guess it's you know it, it's 50 overs if I'm not mistaken, right? So two, basically two and a half times longer than the T20s. And I don't know if there are any changes in terms of how many balls are bowled in each over. I haven't again, I haven't watched one yet, so I'm not exactly sure. But really, really enjoying it. Um, like I said, folks, I do hope you'll uh, consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. If you want to leave a review, you know, make sure you you contact me as well so I can get a sticker out to you. Um, because your word of mouth really helps me get the podcast in front of more people because it gives me that street credibility, if you will. So, folks, check up on your friends. Make sure they're okay. 
Um, reach out to them. Go out and get that coffee. Tell them you love them. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 286 of Yank on the Footy. Again, thanks for listening, everybody. I do hope you'll share the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.